The Daily Rios for Thursday, April 25th, 2013. As promised, today brings you, the listeners, the third and final DC Noise episode that I produced. DC Noise episode three was released through Derek Coward's comic book noise site on April 4th, 2008, almost four months after the second episode. Needless to say, it took way too long between these three episodes, which was unfortunate because with this episode, episode three, I felt I hit on a topic that was a good use of something called DC noise. This episode moves away from news-related items of the time or of issue reviews uh, or moves away from, from what the first two episodes were and instead explores the concept of the Trinity within the DC Universe. Now, the Trinity being Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Makes sense, right? It was episode three, after all. It's not an info dump episode. It's not a spotlight episode. Instead, as I explain in the preamble, it's my personal thoughts on the Trinity concept through my reading experience, especially on how that concept gets established and where it plays out within the larger DCU. Uh, Along the way, I talk about Dark Knight Returns. I talk about the DCU after Crisis on Infinite Earths. I talk about Kingdom Come, and I believe it wraps up with Infinite Crisis. And then I give a little bit of uh, thought or discussion on the Trinity Weekly series that was just about to hit a few weeks after this episode dropped. As to why there were only three episodes of DC Noise that was hosted by me uh, about two and a half months after episode three was released. I got an email from Derek Coward that uh, there was going to be another DC-focused podcast on his same feed, mostly about the current DCU at that time. Now keep in mind, when I got this email in June, I still hadn't put out episode four. So once again, I was going months without an episode. I thought about it, I emailed him back and said, you know what, it would be overkill for one feed to have two DC-focused shows, and they would probably put out more episodes than I would. I was still on CGS at the time, and, and, you know, doing major convention tours, and just about ready to, looking to start the tower, so I said, let them have the DC Noise name, let them run with it. Now, I had some reservations, and I mentioned in, in, in the email, I said, you know, I thought it was a little weird that someone would want to start a second show with a focus that was already covered on that on the same feed, but I was by no means a regular podcast, so I could certainly see why they would want to jump on it. Uh, and they have continued DC Noise to this day with some host change-ups here and there, and, uh, you know, it, everything worked out probably for the best. So once again, uh, thanks to the DC Noise podcast host, and especially Derek Coward for um, letting me put out these first three episodes. I really liked this episode. I liked the the casual nature of it and and the way I dug into the concept, uh, again, through my own reading experience. So I hope you do too. Uh, So here you go, DC Noise, episode three. DC Noise, episode three. I'm back. Welcome to DC Noise. I'm your host, Peter Rios. And yes, I am back. I have not pod faded. I am still here. So what am I going to be talking about this episode? Well, it is the third episode. And there is something coming out from DC soon that has a certain kind of ring to it. When you think about uh, three, the number three, 
and that is the third weekly to be coming out from DC called Trinity, which is being solicited in this month's previews, this month being the month of April. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking not only about the weekly that is coming up, in fact, I probably won't even talk that much about it, but I'm going to be talking about the concept of the Trinity, the Trinity of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, DC's Trinity, DC's Holy Trinity. So I'm going to move away from the format of the first two episodes of DC Noise, and I'm just going to riff a little bit about what the Trinity means to me. This is not a detailed analysis of all the ins and outs and every episode or every issue that DC's Trinity has appeared in. It's more about, you know, sort of my give and take on the on the subject. Um, no news this time. Just going to talk about the Trinity as a concept. Going to talk about the weekly Trinity. And then I'm going to wrap it all up with what's going to be an ongoing um, feature because the big boss told me to do so. Big boss being Derek Howard. <laughs> He's the one who puts out the DC Noise show on his feed. And just like Marvel Noise and Indie Comic Book Noise, they do a weekly wrap up of those books relative to their podcasts that are coming out in the week. So I'm going to take a look at all the DC books coming out on April 2nd. And that'll be at the end of the episode. And I'll just do a little blurb on each. Uh, just so you can get an idea of what was coming out in case you missed it. So the idea of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman as DC's Trinity didn't really, I didn't really get exposed to that um, right away. And I don't think it became a concept right away either. You can look back on their Golden Age history and Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, they were the only three characters that were continuously published from the Golden Age to the Silver Age. And I guess I should throw in a, a little disclaimer here. You know, this is, this. I'm going, I'm not I'm going off no notes. Uh, I'm just doing this all basically from what I remember. And so I'm sure I'm going to get some things wrong along the way, but that's what the forum thread will be about. And you can send me emails and voicemails and stuff like that. So uh, again, I'm just doing this basically. This is my uh, sort of reaction and my sort of history with the Trinity. In the Bronze Age, all three of DC's big guns got a revamp. And ironically enough, pretty much all of them uh, at the hands of Denny O'Neill. Superman got a revamp. This was when he was ultra-powerful, when Kryptonite could not even bother him at that time. Uh, Batman got a revamp. He went into the more, you know, the Dark Knight detective mode with uh, Denny O'Neill and Marshall Rogers and, you know, of course, Neil Adams. And uh, we also got the Wonder Woman sort of revamp. This is when she was just known as Diana Prince. And she wore the white jumpsuit and she got the partner of I Ching. She was powerless and she went through all these, you know, trials and tribulations, which, by the way, the second collection of the Diana Prince Wonder Woman stories is also in last month's or no, I think it's solicited in this month's previews, but uh, it's advanced solicited. So even though they were paying attention to all three characters, still the idea of the Trinity, at least as far as I know, as far as what I've read, hadn't really developed yet. Of course, there was the crisis in 1985-1986. Superman got a reboot. Batman sort of got like a mini revamp. I mean, he got Batman year one, but you can't necessarily say that his books, Detective and Batman, they didn't really, it didn't, he didn't feel too different. They might've pushed the Dark Knight Returns attitude and some of the Batman year one stuff, but um, he still was Batman. And then of course, Wonder Woman got a, got a, a completely revamp story and series and I, I'd say her revamp was probably even true, even more true than the Superman one because she was starting at that time. You know, the Superman reboot, John Byrne's Superman reboot, was sort of like a retro retroactive reboot because when Superman, the new Superman number one started, he was already, he already had a, a ton of adventures. He already knew certain characters. He already had a history with the Justice League. Already had a history with. Uh, 
you know, a lot of his fellow superheroes. But when Wonder Woman came on the scene during Legends, that was it. She was new. She was completely new to everybody, the entire DC universe. So Marv Wolfman's dream of, after the crisis, the original crisis, of starting all the books at number one and playing around with their origins and updating them really kind of only took place like, with the Wonder Woman series. Um, she was starting from the ground up with no prior history. And uh, so, you know, she's kind of unique. And that was one of the first times the idea of the three of them being connected um, sort of uh, popped in to my consciousness, I guess you could say. But, very, you know, at a very limited level because uh, there was an ad for Wonder for the new Wonder Woman series. And it, it said, first the Dark Knight, then the Man of Steel, and now the... Um, did it say the Amazing Amazon or, or now Wonder Woman? It was this ad. It was just a um, black background ad with Wonder Woman sort of flying. It was a Perez art artwork. And uh, up above it just said first Batman, then Superman, now Wonder Woman, meaning first Batman, meaning Batman year one, then Superman, meaning Man of Steel in his new series, and then now Wonder Woman. So um, obviously what was good for one was going to be good for all three. And in the 80s it was kind of fun because... You did get some stories of some of these characters meeting for the first time. The first time Superman and Wonder Woman met during Legends and uh, later on they explored that relationship in both Superman and Action to the point where they even had like a crush on each other and they, they, they met and they kissed and um, it was sort of like spur of the moment kind of thing for Superman. He just swept her up in her arms, up in his arms and kissed her and just felt like he had to. She was fascinated at by this man, because Wonder Woman at this time, you know, she was younger. She was new to man's world, and you could even say naive. So she was taken back by this powerful man, this Superman. Batman and Superman's relationship was developed in, uh, at least for this new era, was really taking um, a nod from Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. In that, there were several passages where the two characters spoke to each other through their thoughts. Like they weren't actually speaking to each other, but they would talk about each other based on certain news stories that they would hear. They heard about each other or read about each other. One of the first times we see Superman in this story, you don't even see him. You see a blur and Batman's just about, just about to get shot. And this big blue blur comes swooping in and you're reading Batman's thoughts and he says, no, no, not him, not now. The room goes hot, metal explodes. And he says, speaking like as if speaking to the air, he says, I'm busy tonight, you've just cost me hours. Tomorrow morning, my place, stay out of my way until then. So here's Batman, you know, sort of talking down to Superman. And the next time we see him, we see him at, at on the Wayne estate and there's this great picture of Clark Kent with his foot on a rock with these Alex Raymond boots and his shirt all open and his chest out. And he's just breathing in the fresh air. And there's this great big cloud behind him, butterflies, and it's all bright. You know, this whole book has been dark, dark, dark. Then you see this awesome picture of Clark Kent and Batman's taking care of his horses. And they're having a discussion about you know, what's been going on in at this time. And here's more Bruce's thoughts. He says, there's just the sun and the sky and him like he's the only reason it's all here. Then he ruins everything by talking. And this passage in Dark Knight Returns set, not only sets up their relationship in this story, it also sets up the, their relationship in other comics as well. This was the new status quo between Batman and Superman. They were not friends. Here's Superman's thoughts about the you know this time and what happened to the other heroes at this time the rest of us learned to cope the rest of us recognized the danger of the endless envy of those not blessed Diana went back to her people Hal went to the stars and I have walked the razor's edge for so long but you Bruce you with your wild obsession and he continues later they'll kill us if they can Bruce every year they grow smaller every year they hate us more we must not remind them that giants walk the earth so it sets up this whole confrontation of Superman. Well, first of all, he's acting for the government, and he believes that, you know, that that their role is what has made them dis was has made normal people distrustful of of heroes. He continues on. You were the one they used against us, Bruce, the one who played it rough. 
When the noise started from the parents' groups and the subcommittee called us in for questioning, you were the one who laughed, that scary laugh of yours. Sure, we're criminal, criminals, you said. We've always been criminals. We have to be criminals. He continues, we almost, this is Superman, we almost threw a party when you retired. Do you remember why you retired, Bruce? No, just look at you. You'd do it again, and like a murderer, you'd cover it up again. Nothing matters to you except your holy war. They were considering their options, and you were probably still laughing when we came to terms. I gave them my obedience and my invisibility. They gave me a license and let us live. No, I don't like it, but I get to save lives, and the media stays quiet. But now the storm is growing again. They'll hunt us down again because of you. So their ideologies and, and the way they the way they want to do what they want to do. I mean, they're both heroes. They're just going different ways at it. And obviously those, those different ways conflict. And of course you get that fantastic fourth issue of Dark Knight Returns where their resolution um, takes place. And it's, it's powerful. I mean, you know, I'm sorry if, uh, you know, if anybody has, if you haven't read it, I'm, I'm going into detail here. I mean, it, it's just, you have to, when talking about these characters, Superman and Batman fight and, uh, you know, obviously Superman was just, uh, he's sort of weak because he had just been struck by a nuclear blast. But, um, you know, there's this great moment at the end of the fight where Bruce says, I want you to remember Clark in all the years to come in your most private moments. I want you to remember my hand at your throat. I want you to remember the one man who beat you. And early on, he says, we could have changed the world. Now look at us. I've become a political liability and you, you're a joke. So, you know, this is powerful stuff that Frank Miller wrote and sort of threw at the DC Universe. And you know what? The DC Universe said, yes, um, we'll take this new status quo and we'll use it. One of the first times that they used this new status quo was in Man of Steel in Superman's origin. And uh, it's in issue three of the John Byrne revamp. Superman and Batman are meeting for the first time. They go on to battle the Magpie. Obviously, again, the way they go about things clash. And eventually, in the end, Superman realizes that Batman obviously is on the up and up to some degree. However, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be keeping my eye on you to make certain that you don't blow it for the rest of us, which is a nod back to Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, at least in dialogue. And as Superman flies away, Batman thinks, a remarkable man, all things considered, who knows, in a different reality, I might have called him friend. So this is interesting because this boom right here just sets up the entire um, relationship between these two characters. And then you throw Wonder Woman into the mix, and what you have is a trinity, as as far as uh, as their ideas of how they go about things. Um, Superman's ever the optimist, Batman is ever the pessimist, and Wonder Woman, to a degree, is is the pragmatist. So, um, so again, uh, the concept of the trinity maybe still hasn't really developed yet, but uh, pieces are being put into place. One of the things I, I when I was looking through my notes and through my comics is um, there is a, an action annual drawn by Art Adams that sort of details the first time Batman and Superman met or worked together. Um, there's also that Man of Steel 3. That is when they first met and then the action annual is sort of like their continuation, the next adventure that they would have together. The one thing I don't know if they've ever shown is when the new Wonder Woman and when the new Wonder Woman met Batman, when Batman went, met the new Wonder Woman. You know, obviously in Legends, you can say that could have been their first appearance, but I don't know if they ever made a big deal of the two of them meeting, and there's probably some Batman issue that I've never read that maybe takes, you know, has that, or there's an issue in Wonder Perez's Wonder Woman run that I'm forgetting. So, and I, I, and I don't know when the first post-crisis team-up of all three occurred, and I, I, mean, I mean an official team-up of the three of them. So uh, if anybody knows that, please let me know. There are a lot of parallels between the three of them. Of course, there was the death of the Superman, which was sort of echoed in Batman's event, Nightfall. And there was also the contest over in Wonder Woman's book. Now, they didn't, they didn't happen all at the same time, but there were these three major events in all three characters' books. Death of Superman, Nightfall contest, where uh, they were all replaced by these other characters who were still around to this day, most of them. The same time Superman was going through his Millennium Giants event, Batman was going through Cataclysm. When uh, Jim Lee took over 
or when Jim Lee and Jeff Loeb did the Hush series for Batman, Jim Lee would then go on and do For Tomorrow for Superman. And there was, you know, a lot of question like, okay, is he going to do a Wonder Woman one, which he never did. And uh, even in one year later, when Batman got revamped in Face to Face, um, you had Superman up, up and away. So, you know, things happen either in twos and threes with these characters. And I think that's a very, I think DC is very aware of that. I think for me, though, to backtrack a little bit, the strongest example of the Trinity has to be Kingdom Come by Mark Wade and Alex Ross. This put all three of them at odds. Batman is mad at Superman for not taking the lead. Wonder Woman is mad at the arrogance of Batman and also the weakness of Superman. Superman can't, doesn't want to speak for his, his the superhuman community, doesn't feel it's their right, certainly doesn't agree with their methods. He's a man conflicted. He's a man, he, he, Superman is in the middle of these two characters in this book. And at any point, you could say the same thing about any of them. Batman could be in the middle of the two. Wonder Woman could, could be in the middle of the other two. There's this great scene in issue one where Wonder Woman goes to see Clark on a farm, which turns out to be a hologram. And it's very reminiscent of that scene in Dark Knight Returns where Clark goes to see Bruce. In Dark Knight Returns, Bruce is the brooding one. He's the one that's sort of like, you know, the, the loner. He's being purposely keeping himself away. And that's Superman's role in Kingdom Come. You know, it takes Wonder Woman to bring him out of his shell, basically. So, you know, nice little role reversal, even though I'm sure it's unintentional. And she and Wonder Woman even says, Cal, please, our generation takes its lead from you. We always have. You must face this. If you don't, neither will the rest of us. And it just goes on. Later on in the series, when, when Clark actually does step out into the public again, he goes and sees Bruce. And they are right back at odds right away and this time this is a bruce that's older and more sarcastic and, and and even even humorous to a degree you know saying things like for a man who can hear clouds scrape together you don't listen very well and uh there's a scene where bruce compares metropolis to gotham and at this time bruce has gotham under his thumb I have my own controls in place, thank you. They may be slower and more methodical than yours, but they get results. You used to brag that Metropolis was a utopia next to Gotham. Now who has the utopia? And Superman responds, some paradise. From what I can see, Gotham is nearly a police state. You always favored scaring people into obeying the law, but this, you're willing to turn ordinary citizens into a superstitious cowardly lot? Batman says, they'll fear me more than they'll trust you. I don't trust you. After all, you left. I stayed. And while Kingdom Come is certainly a generational story and it's a story against even certain kinds of comics that were out at that time, it is, and ultimately it's a Superman story, there are great moments between all three characters. And in it, they, they constantly talked about how the other heroes would take sides, how some would be on Batman's side, like uh, Black Canary and Green Arrow. And how others would be on Superman's side, like Wonder Woman, and uh, the Titans, and, and Power Girl, and, and, you know, sort of like the loftier characters, the more godlike powers, just like Batman would surround himself with some more human characters, the more street-level characters. There's another scene between Wonder Woman and Superman out in space. She says to him, you said it yourself once, Clark. And she corrects herself and says, Cal, we are warriors. We have an obligation to wage combat. And he says, given who we are, Diana, given the power we possess, we have a greater obligation to keep the peace. Only the weak succumb to brutality. And, and this is a, a new dimension in, in Wonder Woman's character, this idea that she is a warrior. She is an Amazon. And there were many times in Perez's run where she did kill. Now, it probably was a monster or some Greek myth monster or, or something like that. But she was not hesitant to kill. That will show up not only in this story, but also later on in other events as well. When things finally do come to a head, Superman comes to Batman, uh, comes to Bruce, I should say, and he says, I need your help. And says, you're not above all this, not now, not with the stakes this high. We're racing the end of the world, Bruce. I've got a half second lead, but by all the stars in heaven, that's not nearly enough. He said, Superman continues, the deliberate taking of human, even superhuman life, goes against every belief I have and that you have. 
That's the one thing we've always had in common. It's what made us what we are. More than anyone in the world, when you scratch everything else away from Batman, you're left with someone who doesn't want to see anybody die. And that actually gives Batman, it gives Bruce pause. It gives him a moment of, of reflection. And uh, while all the tor turmoil is going on in the story, uh, and it winds, winds up becoming this huge superhero, superhuman battle, all three of them get in the mix. And at a turning point, Wonder Woman is not afraid to kill. And she does so. And she says he left, and when she does, he says, he left me no choice. And we will finish it without you, Bruce. Your people are out of their league. And he says, why? Because we're here to save lives rather than take them. She says, we're here to force peace. We've left, we're left with no choice. Batman says, force peace, the Amazon tenant. Spread love and understanding, but don't be afraid to bloody your knuckles doing it. Don't tell me you still subscribe to that paradox. And and she she calls him a uh, aristocratic bastard, and flies him. And says, "I will not be judged by you." And says, "After all these years, you have the nerve to swagger out of your cave and expect everyone to bow before your precious wisdom." Well, it's too late for that, Bruce. We tried to hold order, but it's too far gone. Our only option now is war. Our only answer is. And then at this, this is where they notice the. Um, the humans have decided to take matters in their own hands during this big superhuman battle. And Bruce says, open your eyes, Diana. Your answer flies on metal wings. Those are nuclear characters, carriers, the ultimate war bringers. Our war is not one act of violence at the cost of some lives. Our war ends in extinction. If you're that devoted to the Amazon honor, if your soul genuinely longs for atonement on Amazonian terms, then let's keep fighting and let the planes do their work. And obviously she makes her decision. Superman makes his decision. Batman makes his decision. It's a great, this Kingdom Come really is one of the strongest um, examples of what it, what the Trinity means, not only to each other, not only to Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, to, to each other as a, as a group of friends uh, or colleagues, but also to the DC Universe. And I think the Kingdom Come was really one of the first major, major, major standouts in that area. After that, there were some little stories here and there um, in the Grant Morrison JLA run. He was very much uh, intrigued by the idea of Wonder Woman as royalty and Batman as aristocracy and the feud that would happen between them. And then in the Joe Kelly J JLA run, what was interesting is he ha actually had little little rumblings of a Batman-Wonder Woman relationship. And again, they shared a little kiss. and so um, So that was kind of interesting. Um, to push those two characters together. Um, in fact, during Our Worlds at War, when Wonder Woman's mother died, um, there's this kind of really great scene between Batman and Wonder Woman where she kind of collapses in his arms and just cries. And it's interesting to see her find comfort in him as opposed to Superman, who was obviously going through his own emotional turmoil at that time. You know, here's a here's a character, Batman, who, who keeps his emotions in, and yet Wonder Woman can find that human inside of him and wasn't afraid to break down. And it's really this touching scene. I think it happened in one of the uh, Phil Jimenez drawn or Phil, and Phil Jimenez written Wonder Woman issues during the Our Worlds at War crossover. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful scene that always, when I think about it, I'm like, hmm, you know, Batman's not such a, you know, he's a softy after all. There's some other th stories. Um, there was in Superman, Batman, the series Superman, Batman with Michael Turner artwork when they introduced the new Sup Supergirl. Um, Wonder Woman was a major player in that as well. And Jeff Loeb have some, had some fun with those three characters. Um, but really the next time we got a real exploration of the concept of the Trinity is, uh, of course, Infinite Crisis. And, uh, you know, coming out of the events of Identity Crisis where the secrets had come out, from the Justice League, the the entire DC universe was sort of wrapped up in um, uh, in the subplots of, of villains uniting and of magic running loose, um, uh, you know, some kind of sci-fi space war, and of course of Batman's brother Eye satellite sort of running amok and running loose. On one hand, you had Batman who was starting to remember things that that happened to him because of the events or, or even before the events of identity crisis but that had come out during an identity crisis and he was starting to remember some things that the jla had done to him 
Superman was getting a little bit more and more nervous because, uh, for lack of a better word, nervous, um, because he realized he had turned a blind eye and a blind ear to most of the events. And then you had Wonder Woman in the middle who really didn't know anything because this was before her time, at least in this time in DC history. You know, even though she saw the turmoil that was going on in the DC universe, she believed you just had to head on, face it head on, just had to, you know, attack everything. There's this great issue. It's uh, Adventures of Superman, issue 636. It's written by Greg Rucka. And on the cover, it says Identity Compromised. It's cover date March 05. And Infinite Crisis number one is cover date December 05. This is the issue. Um, well, let me set this up because at this point, the um, countdown to Infinite Crisis, the 80-page giant where, where Blue Beetle died, had already been out. And, you know, that was the issue where Blue Beetle, he went to Batman. He went to Wonder Woman. He went. To, he was just trying to go to somebody to, to get them to listen to him uh, because he felt something was going on. And, of course, they all ignored him. So after the death of Blue Beetle, Wonder Woman felt very um, remorseful and and she actually paid attention to Booster Gold. And, uh, you know, Batman knew something was going on and realized it was, you know, primarily his fault. Um, so they were all kind of troubled. Superman was troubled. Batman was troubled. Wonder Woman was troubled. And all these things are kind of going on around them. And all they can do is they don't know why they've lost control. And in the Superman books, a villain seems to know Superman's identity and is attacking him through his loved ones. So he calls on Superman and Batman. I mean, Batman and Wonder Woman. And as they're going to his Fortress of Solitude, Wonder Woman says... Um, that you come so willingly, nonetheless, speaks to the friendship between you and Cal. I've never heard him like this before, Bruce, not even after what happened to Sue. They come in and they and they meet Superman and they talk about his current problems. And because this character, Ruin, is a, is attacking Superman through his loved ones, he, he says, it's Dr. Light all over again, and I don't want to make the same mistake twice. And he's referencing the events in Identity Crisis. And Wonder Woman says, what mistake? Cal, what are you talking about? Cal? And Bruce says, you know what happened? And Wonder Woman says, tell me, Cal. And Superman says, it's about the League, the old League, something they did, something I let them do. And this is like really the turning point that year in 2005. This is really the issue that's the turning point of everything that happened after the 80-page countdown and everything that will happen leading up to Infinite Crisis. It's where Batman realizes that Superman knew what happened to Batman during the events uh, that happened in the flashbacks in Identity Crisis. It's where Wonder Woman learns about all the secrets, and it's where um, Superman starts to uh, realize there are things about Wonder Woman that uh, he, he needs to you know think about or, or needs to keep watch on, and also about his own weakness. So once Wonder Woman finds out, she's, she's mortified. Superman says, what was I supposed to do, Diana? Was I supposed to take in half of the League? It was wrong, but there wasn't another option. She says, yes, there was. You should have killed him. And that stops the other two in their tracks. Now, you don't know if Batman's agreeing with her or not, but uh, Superman says that's not an option. It's never an option. Why? Because you think it's immoral, more immoral than destroying his mind, than murdering his identity? As you said, do you risk his becoming the next Dr. Light, speaking, to, speaking about Superman's foe? And Batman says, so instead risk becoming him... She says, you refuse to understand. Batman says, no, I understand. I just refuse to accept. She says, you will, Bruce, one day. You slay the monster, Cal. So this was the issue that made everything sort of turn. Wonder Woman discovers really what happened, discovers a weakness in Superman. Superman discovers a weakness in, in her. Batman realizes that Superman could have done something to, to save him. And all this gets played out. Uh, in uh, in Infinite Crisis. To me, Infinite Crisis really was this personal story between the Trinity set against this greater story of the DC Universe. I mean, all you have to do is look at the first issue, the Perez-drawn first issue, and there they are, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman with their respective families, and in the background is all the other stuff. Villains United, Ranthanagar War, the Omec Project, uh, Day of Vengeance. This story... Be, not only does the covers reflect it, but um, even in Infinite Crisis 1, the opening scene is Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. The actual event closes with another scene with Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. So all their 
their frustrations, uh, you know, of everything that's going on around them, just falling apart around them. You know, obviously at this point, Wonder Woman had killed, had killed Maxwell Lord. You know, she, she said, you slay the monsters. And that's exactly what she did to save Superman's life. And it was something that Superman and Batman just couldn't, couldn't, they couldn't come to terms with it. So the three of them are in turmoil. None of them can take the lead. And while, and meanwhile, while they're bickering, the entire world is just going to hell. And she even, Wonder Woman even said, Batman says, people are scared. And Wonder Woman says, they should be. The world is going to hell. Superman says, they're scared of us. They're scared of us because of you, Diana. They've been broadcasting those images nonstop. Don't you understand? They all watched you. And they're having the scene in the middle of the uh, destroyed watchtower. And while they're bickering, all this stuff is going on. The OMAX are, are being loose on the DC Universe. And uh, the su- Secret Society supervillains have are just obliterating the freedom fighters. And at the three of them, at their moment of weakness, they get attacked by Mongol. And this is a character that, yeah, is pretty strong, but between the three of them, had they worked together, there's no way they could have been defeated had they been working together. And yet, he takes them down quite easily. Um, And even though they get the upper hand, it's not by much. And he even manages to escape. And, and again, they instead of following him, they bicker. You know, Wonder Woman says, I told you, the world doesn't need Diana. The world needs Wonder Woman. She says, you've lost your way. And he says, well, you've lost yours. You're trying to help people you can't even relate to, Diana. And Batman says, and you relate to them too much. You're not human. You're Superman. He says, I know that. Batman says, then start acting like it. All hell has broken loose and you're on the moon with me. The world needs you. He says, telling people what to do, I'm not a god. I'm not like you, Bruce. I don't need to control everything. Bruce says, after all these years, you know it's not about control. It's about trying to do everything I can. And for you, it's about setting an example. Everyone looks up to you. They listen to you. If you tell them to fight, they'll fight. But they need to be inspired. And let's face it, Superman, the last time you really inspired anyone was when you were dead. And it's a great scene. It's just such, it's the culmination of their year-long, um, uh, opposition, the year long of them just butting heads. And the next couple scenes you would get in Infinite Crisis, you'd get a scene where, you know, Superman's thinking about what Batman said and realizing that he's right. And you get this other scene where Wonder Woman meets her Earth 2 counterpart um, and sort of understands that, you know, she can't play the lofty princess. She's been a princess. She's been an ambassador. She's been a daughter. She's been everything but just, uh, you know, a human, just herself. And that makes her come to realize, you know, where she needs to be in her life. The alternate Wonder Woman says, remember, everyone makes, uh, she says, despite all the flaws within humanity, there are just as many strengths. Remind them of that and remind him of that, meaning Superman. Remember, everyone makes mistakes, even Superman. Even Batman has his moment in issue three where he realizes that the Omex are going after Wonder Woman and the Amazons for her killing Maxwell Lord. And his satellite is controlling them, and he can't control the satellite. And she, he says, you know, you're killing the Amazons because of Wonder Woman. And he can do nothing. And in this moment of talking to Brother Eye, he throws this chair at the screen. And But, you know, really there's nothing to do. And he says, this wasn't supposed to happen. And he's having flashbacks of um, when his parents died and when Jason Todd died. And he says, and, and obviously at this time, you know, Jason Todd had come back. So it was one more thing being thrown into Batman's world. Um, Batman says, this wasn't supposed to happen. I can't breathe, can't do this anymore. God, I wish, I just wish I could start over. And it's like all this stuff that he's been holding in finally comes out in this issue. And so the three of them all have their moments during Infinite Crisis. And when the young clone Superboy um, manages to save the day in issue six against Superboy Prime... When he dies, there, right there at the end of the issue, of issue six, there they are, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. They couldn't save him. They, they, were, they just didn't get back in time from what they were doing. Uh, and they were doing, you know, Batman was going after the Brother Eye satellite. Superman and Wonder Woman were going after the Superman of Earth 2. Um, they were trying to save him. and um, So it wasn't like they were neglecting him, but they still, because of their fall- fallacies, one of their own died. And it's this great scene. It's got Superman and Nightwing. It's got Wonder Woman and Wonder Girl. It's got Superman and Superboy. And also the Earth 2 Superman. 
And if you needed any more justification that this series was about the three of them, boom, there it is. And of course, the final issue, um, the three of them do manage to lead the way and save the day. And you had yet another moment where there was sort of a role reversal from issue one. In issue one, where Wonder Woman wanted to kill Mongol, in this issue, Batman wanted to kill Alexander Luthor, who was sort of behind everything. And Wonder Woman stops him and doesn't stop him with force. Just says, you know, it's not worth it. I discovered that it is, it isn't your ripers. It isn't worth it. So, you know, they, they all go through this journey in these, in this event. And yes, it's a grand event, but it really is. If you follow their story throughout those seven issues, you're going to come away with a, a very different story than if you just read it as, Oh, well, this is the sequel to crisis on infinite earth. And while that is very true, um, it really is a look at the Trinity that makes that story what it is. And at the end of seven, you know, you get the three of them in their, in their normal lives. And, you know, Batman's going to go off with, I should say, Bruce Wayne's going to go off with Dick, Dick Grayson and Tim Drake, sort of rediscover himself. Superman is powerless. So, you know, the man who wanted to put himself in, into humanity's perspective, um, but was always a Superman is now just plain human. And when Wonder Woman, feels that she needs to sort of find herself. Um, Superman nods his glasses and says, well, I might have a suggestion on how to do that. And of course, later on, Batman sets up the secret identity of Diana Prince for her. And you get uh, a Wonder Woman who now has a secret identity again after, you know, almost 20 years. Um, so the three of them really went through the ringer and it was a great exploration of this idea of the three of them as the leads for the DC universe. Um, there was a point in my reading where I went back to, uh, identity crisis and i read every dc comic that i owned from identity crisis to infinite crisis and i read them in the order that they were published so i was reading weekly you know chunks of books weekly and the way things developed was just absolutely brilliant little snippets of information that would pop up here and there and you know of course the the society working in secret but when you really started to get into the superman batman wonder woman thing and then lead, led up to Infinite Crisis. That's what made Infinite Crisis just phenomenal um, and really um, sort of spoke to this greater concept that uh, I'm talking about in this episode. And really, for me, again, made the story more than what uh, most people thought it was. Now, in terms of where the Trinity as a concept happened after Infinite Crisis, obviously they, they toyed with the idea in 52. And they said, you know, a world without Superman, a world without Batman, a world without Wonder Woman... Uh, and they showed what that would be like. And, you know, of course, that was very successful. And now we're coming into the third weekly. We won't talk about Countdown. <laughs> we're coming to the third weekly, and it is called Trinity. It is a weekly series. It's going to be 52 issues. It is written by Kurt Busiek and Fabian Nicieza, art by Mark Bagley, Art Tiber, Tom Derenick, Wayne Foucher, Scott McDaniel, Andy Owens, Mike Norton, yay, Jerry Ordway, and covers by Carlos Carlos Pacheco and the blurb in the uh, um, previews reads uh, the lead feature explores the unusual bond and importance of DC's top three characters Superman Batman and Wonder Woman as a mysterious dream links them together and may should be prophesized important changes in their trinity but it says and may prophecy important changes in their trinity so it's interesting that DC is going to be playing on this idea of their three characters and, and what they mean to the DC universe and maybe what they mean to each other. I'm sort of looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I, I like the weekly format. I love the weekly format, actually. I, I really love 52. Countdown was a mess. So here's hoping Trinity is something in the middle. Um, it doesn't need to be 52, but please do not let it become Countdown. So that's my look at the Trinity, uh, what they sort of mean to me and sort of the books that uh, stand out to me. So if there are any more, I know there was also that Matt Wagner book called Trinity. I never read it. But if you know of other issues that really explore the trio, um, not only just as, as characters in a story, but you know, in relation to the DC Universe as well, which is really what this podcast is about, the bigger picture, um, please, by all means, let me know. So what book shipped uh, April 2nd, 2008? We have, starting off with the pack, Action Comics 863 by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. 
this is the finale to the six-part Superman and the Legion of Superheroes story that brings back the Legion of Superheroes that I grew up with. This has been getting some acclaim here and there by some, you know, some older fans of Legion. Um, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see what their future is after this story. Also, the all-new Adam 22, written by Rick Remender. I want to say this might even be the first issue by Remender. Um, art by Pat Oleaf. Um, actually, no, uh, all-new Adam 21 was the first issue. So this is the second issue of the uh, new Rick Remender um, all new Adam run. We have the countdown special Commandy, the last boy on earth, 80 page giant written by Jack Kirby, collecting stories from Commandy's 1, 10, and 29. Um, the Ryan Sook covers on these, these are all like they've done a bunch of these now. Uh, they know they did one for OMAC and uh, um, New Gods and some other characters. And the Ryan Sook covers are just beautiful, and I really hope that they collect them somewhere, somehow. So check them out. The, the, these countdown specials, do a Google search and look them up. They're, they're really beautiful. Uh, of course, there's Countdown to Final Crisis number four, getting closer and closer to the end of this series. This uh, series, thank God. And we also have DC Special, Raven, number two of five, written by Marv Wolfman, art and cover by Damian Scott. We have Detective Comics 843, written by Paul Dini, art by Dustin Nguyen, uh, I love Dustin Nguyen's work. I really enjoyed him on Wildstorm's Manifest Eternity. And uh, it's really because he's now on the art team on this book that I'm still getting detective. Uh, there's also Infinity Inc. number 8. It's written by Peter Milligan with new artist Pete Woods. I'm a big fan of Pete Woods from his uh, Catwoman days. Um, and this is the start of a new part, uh, three-part story called The Boogeyman. I'm not sure if it's enough to get me to read it. I may flip through the store. I wasn't impressed with the first three issues that came out. Um, I don't know. This series just, I don't know. It eludes me a little bit. Uh, Jonah Hex 30, written by Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti, art and cover by Jordi Bernay. There's also the Green Arrow 13-inch deluxe collector figure, if that's your thing. Justice League number 44. Justice League Unlimited 44, I should say. Um... This is the Mirror Master going up against the uh, Justice League. This is the Johnny DC book. Uh, Looney Tunes 161. Metal Men 7 of 8, written and art by uh, Duncan Rouleau. So one more issue of that. I'm probably going to get the collection on that because um, the artwork in this looks really beautiful. We also have Leaders High Volume 1, Midnighter 18, uh, New Dynamics, number two. Nightwing, 143, written by Peter Tomasi, art by Don Kramer, covered by Rags Morales. Um, a little behind on my Nightwing, so I don't know how Peter Tomasi is doing on this book. Shazam! The Greatest Stories Ever Told, which is a collection of books from Captain Marvel Adventures, from Wiz Comics, Marvel Family, Shazam! DC Comics Presents Annual 3, Superman, Legion... Power of Shazam, so it's just a whole slew of uh, adventures featuring uh, Captain Marvel. Supergirl 28, written by Kelly Puckett, and art and cover by Drew Johnson. Superman 321 Action, written by Kurt Busiek and Mark Evanier, art by Steve Rude. Um, this is collecting Superman 665, Action Comics 852, 850 through 854, and Legends of the DC Universe 14. Trials of Shazam number 12. This series has been out for like three years, I swear to God. Um, by Judd Winnick. Um, art and cover by Mauro Cassioli. So it's not even Howard Porter anymore. Um, man, this series has just been plagued with delays. So it's finally finished. Um, we can finally see what's going to happen with uh, the Shazam family. There's also the Stormwatch PhD Volume 2 trade written by Christos Gage, art by Andy Smith, collecting issues 5 and issues 8 through 12. And there's also the Women of the DC Universe Series 2 Cheetah Bust and uh, also Tower of the Future Volume 10. There you go. That's uh, DC's list for April 2nd. So that'll bring this episode to a close. Um, we will 
Derek will be posting a thread on the comic book noise forum for DC Noise episode three. Uh, once again, if you, I mean, if you haven't heard the first two episodes, we will not be, I, I'm not going to start up a, a DC noise forum. Um, there, you know, you can already, you can go to the raging bullets forum if you want to talk everything DC. Um, you know, um, I'm, I really just can't put myself into yet another forum to watch. So we're just going to do a thread, one thread for the episode. So you can respond there. You can also respond to my personal email, peterjohnrios at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And, uh, you know, why not? If you want to send me a voicemail to play on the show, you can send it to 206-984-1993. That is the comic book noise main line. Um, but, um, you know, if you say it's for DC noise, uh, he'll, he'll send it to me. He'll get it. He'll get it to where it needs to go. Um, by all means, check out Marvel Noise and check out Indie Comic Book Noise. Marvel Noise is hosted by David Price, and Indie Comic Book Noise is hosted by Mr. Bruce Rosenberger. And between DC Noise, Marvel Noise, and Indie Comic Book Noise, that is sort of like our own little special trinity. Derek has his own special trinity in his comic book noise family. Uh, Derek celebrated his episode 100 recently, so by all means, check that one out. Congratulations to Derek. Uh, and be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Comic Book Noise family. There's Geek Brunch, uh, there's Comics Playground, and of course there's a, a, a new one by Jasper from the Plan 9 Rock Show, uh, Burning Trash. Um, there's also the Reader Feed, which is uh, an interesting new idea that Derek is coming up with Um where they're doing short little character podcasts uh, all being released on one feed because, uh, you know, individual characters may not be able to, you know, um, may not be able to sustain a full podcast. So he's putting it out in the reader feed and, uh, there's probably, a, you know, 10 more podcasts that I'm missing out on, um, in the comic book noise family. But, um, you know, I want to thank Derek again for, allowing me to play in his sandbox. So this is DC Noise. Here's hoping I can get back on a regular weekly schedule so that we can talk all things DC. And uh, I'll probably return to format next episode. Thanks for listening, and I hope you return. <laughs>